Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people, just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So, let's get started. We're going to be doing Psalms 36, 37, and 38 today. We'll start off with Psalm 36, um, verse 1. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Psalm 36 is written by David, and it's talking about the wickedness of the human heart. And it kind of is a psalm that is just dwelling on the fact that some people are just going to reject God. Some people, um, you know, whatever God's going to try to do, um, you know, that's just the way some people are. And I'm just going to call this psalm, Wicked Man, Steadfast God. And he's just He's just looking at this. So again, transgression, this is sin, speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. We all have a sinful nature. You know, we all have got heart disease, right? You think about it. We all have some kind of heart disease. And the heart disease that we've got is our sinful hearts. You know, no matter what we do to the core of man is his sin. And this kind of, um, in vivid terms, it's just talking about the heart of man being sin. The heart of man before, uh, there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters, this is verse 2, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The, you know, sinful people kind of flatter themselves that they're still good people, that they, they're not sinful people. They, they just do what they want to do. And that, or whatever their sin, nobody will know about it. You know, or whatever, they can have secret sins or they, or they're, or they're denying. They deny their own sins. They look in the mirror and deny their own sins and somehow they justify it. You know, I'm in under so much stress. I can do this or I can be deep into to all kind of behaviors, but I need to do this or it's not a sin if I do it like this or, you know, it's just for now. God will just forgive me or whatever the, the, the human heart can come up with the, 
There are all kind of ways to justify what the human heart wants to do. Verse 3, the words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. So coming out of his words of his mouth, the actions that he takes, the thoughts of his mind, his plots, you know, he's, his, he positions himself in a way. Uh, you know, all these things are active things that somebody might do that uh, reflects their sinful nature. And even what someone does not do, he does not reject evil. So, but your sinful nature is seen by what you do, but also what you don't do. So even if you don't do something, you're still uh, guilty because you got to sometimes rejecting evil is just as important as when you act evil. Okay, so woo, a big old psalm that talks about the human heart and how evil it is. And we see um, we just see sinful nature. Okay, but then the psalm, thank goodness, changes direction. Verse 5 through the rest of it, 5 through 9, it talks about God. Your, verse 5, your steadfast, oh, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heaven. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. Okay, verse 7. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. A very big contrast to the sinful nature of man is this love, this steadfast love of God. And it's talking about, O Lord, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. We've said this before, is that whenever you see the word Lord in all capitals, that's referring to Lord as in the Lord God Father in heaven. This faithful, steadfast love, this faithfulness just extends all the way to the heavens. There's just, the world cannot contain how much love the Father in heaven has for you. The world cannot contain how faithful he is. The righteousness is like a mountain. This righteousness is so immovable. It is so ever-present. Okay? The judgments are like the great deep. In other words, there's no depth. There's no definition to the wisdom, the judgment of God. It knows no end, knows no boundary. It goes everywhere. It judges everything. You can't fill up the ocean with all the things he's going to judge people for. This is a judge that is so wise, it doesn't stop. This is not a corrupt judge. Don't you hate it when you read in the news about corruption in politics or judges or that, that they let the wicked off or the, the people who just seem like they get away with murder? You, you hear that phrase a lot. Doesn't that just drive you crazy? Isn't it comforting to know that there is a judge and that that corrupt judge who let that wicked person off 
doesn't matter because we have a judge, a backup judge, a safety net judge, a judge who's not going to let that wicked person off, that corrupt person who cheated the honest person out or maybe sent the wrong person to jail. All these things that mankind messes up on. We have this honest judge. That is so reassuring. You sometimes you think about the judge, you know, uh-oh, you know, that's a scary thing. Like, you know, if you get judged wrongly, you know, you're going, you know, you're going to you're going to burn in hell. But there is so much comfort in an honest judge, a judge of righteousness and wisdom and love. Okay? Verse 7, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. This is a beautiful, uh, again, it extends into the nature of God. Steadfast love, how precious is this? And that we can take refuge in this. We can take refuge in this in this love, in this protection, um, and in this abundance of this love. We have a Father in heaven who can't wait to give you something to drink from the river of the fountain of life. Father in heaven wants to redeem you. And of course, that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ redeems all of us that we have redemption from our sins. And then we can then have righteousness. Just like the mountain of God. How precious is that? So the psalm concludes in verse 10. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen, and they are thrust down, unable to rise. This is a prayer. The last three verses is like a prayer. Okay, we've talked about how wicked man's heart is. We've talked about how precious God's love is and how steadfast uh, His love is. And then this prayer is to continue to, to be in this steadfast love, to receive this steadfast love, to be righteous, to protect our heart, you know, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. It's like a prayer Please don't let me have any more heart disease. You know, man still has a sinful nature. Okay? And although Jesus Christ can redeem us from our sins, you know, we still have this sinful nature. Almost, and I've seen it written where it's like it's still a reminder to us how much we need to still depend on God. If Jesus just went to the cross and saved us from our sins and we're all perfect people as a result, then we're all perfect. But that doesn't make sense for God's plans. You know, if we were then perfect after Jesus died, we wouldn't need God anymore. We wouldn't we wouldn't be dependent on him. You know, if we're all perfect, 
So Jesus allows us to be perfect in God's eyes, even though we are still imperfect people. We still have to depend on Him. And then we have to learn how to walk in step by the Holy Spirit. We fall, we get up. We walk in grace. We are still imperfect. Even our hearts are still imperfect. But this prayer is to continue. We, you know, to continue to receive this steadfast love and walk in step with Him and be upright in heart. We can't take our faith for granted. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, let your conscience be your guide. No, the Jesus, the Lord Jesus is your guide. The Holy Spirit is your guide. The Father in heaven's word is your guide. Okay, but your conscience is kind of like a warning signal, like, oh, man, I'm messing up or, oh, you know, something's wrong. I'm not right with God. Just like David's heart, David's conscience is doing all this praying and and he's thinking about the wickedness of the heart. And he's praying that um, his heart can continue to be upright. A great prayer. Wicked man, steadfast God. Hope that was encouraging. It is to me. Verse uh, Chapter 37, Psalm 37. I'm kind of calling this, When Godless People Prosper. And it kind of it kind of goes on, you know. These psalms kind of go together. The wicked heart. We're talking about God's love and God's steadfast love. But now in thirty-seven, have you ever wondered why God lets bad people do good when godless people prosper? <clears throat> Sometimes it can. <clears throat> excuse me. Sometimes it can kind of drive you crazy. Well, let's jump in and. And see what's going on in this one. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. You know what? People are going to do better than you. And they don't necessarily have to be Christians. Um... You can look around and you can see all kind of people that have done a lot. Maybe they're living in a bigger house. Maybe they're making more money. Maybe they did a good grade on the test and they didn't study as hard as you. What happens inside your heart when you see people do better than you? It makes you envious, doesn't it? It, it, um, it makes you wonder and it makes you worry. Um, it brings you down, you know. It brings you down when you see other people doing better than you. And Dr. McGee says, you know, this um, sort of mirrors. The, the thinking of Psalm 73, verse 1 through 3, and I'll read that. Truly God is good to Israel, but those who are pure in heart, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. 
for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, like it's a hard lesson to learn when you maybe when you're in school or you're someplace and you see um, a lot of other people coming in and they seem like they have more privilege than you do. Maybe they're from a wealthier family than you do and they almost have a better advantage over you. Maybe some people are smarter than you and things come easy to them. They just have knowledge that you don't have. You know, or maybe you didn't have the opportunity to go to the school that they went to. Or maybe you don't have the connections that their family has. And seemingly life is just easy for them. Or they inherited some of their wealth. Or they didn't have to work for what they have like you have to work for what you have. Or maybe they're just a person that gets special treatment. And you get the regular treatment. <laughs> and people don't believe you, but they automatically just seem to believe them. It's kind of that feeling that maybe when godless people prosper or just other people seem to prosper around you, how does that make your heart feel? It says, be not envious of wrongdoers or when other people prosper. Real important psalm. Let's get into it. Verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, befriend faithfulness. So he's saying, don't worry. All you're supposed to do, you're not supposed to worry about them. You're supposed to trust in the Lord and don't worry. Verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. Be joyful. Be feel. Be blessed. Being blessed is translates actually into joy. Be joyful in the Lord, and He'll give you what you need. Again, it talks about the desires of your heart. Just like we went back to chapter 36, Psalm 36, the desires of your heart. You know, if you've got the wrong desires, that sinful nature... We want to have the upright desires of the heart, okay? <clears throat> it's cool how these psalms connect, isn't it? Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. you got to commit to God's timing. God's going to act on your behalf. And when He does, verse 6, He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. You're going to get what you need and justice will come to you and God's not going to forget how hard you had to work or the fact that you didn't have the advantages that other people had or the the knowledge, the connections, the privilege, you know. It's he put you where you are. You know, you weren't born into a kingship or a queenship. You weren't born a princess. You weren't born with a, a silver spoon in your mouth. You weren't born into success. Maybe you were born into poverty. Maybe you were born into hardship. Maybe you were born in just being a regular person and you had to work for what you get. God knows all that. He will bring forth all your righteousness and your justice specific to you, specific to me, just as the sun comes out. 
Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Rest. Rest in the Lord. Know He is God. Fret yourself not. Fret not yourself. Sorry. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way. Over the man who carries out evil devices. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing. Trust in the Lord. Verse 8, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. If you get upset, if you get angry, if you want to get back at somebody else, because they're, for whatever reason, if you start worrying yourself, it only leads to you doing stuff that's going to be evil. It's going to cause you to not have the right heart. It only leads to you going down. Your focus is going to be off the Lord and onto your own stuff, your own agenda, your own purpose, your own plan, your own timetable. <laughs> you know, and now you're figuring out life for yourself and you're not trusting in the Lord. When you don't trust in the Lord, you don't honor Him. <clears throat> and your joy is going to come from yourself. Remember, joy translates into blessing. And if your joy is coming from yourself, your joy is not coming from God. And if your joy is not coming from God, you're not blessed from God because joy is blessing. I hope that sinks in. That's sinking in on me right now, too. But for the evildoers, they shall be cut off. For those who wait for the Lord, inherit the land. Okay? If you trust in God, if you wait on the Lord, you're having to put your whole agenda in His hands. And that's very unnatural for us to do. But you know what? When you do that, when you just say, Lord, I give it to you. I put it at the foot of the cross. I put it in your hands. I put my agenda in you. You're honoring God like crazy. Verse 10, In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. It's the humble of heart who submit to the Lord, who repent from their sins, who say, You know what? I'm not good enough. I'm not great enough. I need you, Father. I need you, Lord Jesus. Forgive me. It's the meek. They're the ones that are going to inherit the land and delight themselves, delight that word joy. And again, that word joy connects to the word blessing in abundant peace. Peace. Peace is the prince of peace. That's a reference to peace always refers to being right with God because our sin puts it at odds with God, puts us against God. There is no peace when you're against God. Only through Jesus Christ and His redemption on the cross for your sins do you have peace with God. Redemption through Christ brings peace with God. The meek shall inherit the land and delight. They'll be joyful because they're being blessed by God in this abundant peace. So then the rest of the psalm, uh, we're talking 12 through 20, kind of talk about the Lord thwarts the schemes of the wicked. <clears throat> the wicked plots against the righteousness, but the Lord laughs at the wicked. The wicked draws the sword and bends their bows to bring down the poor. 
Okay, but their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows are going to be broken. Lord's going to take care of them. Verse sixteen: Better is a little, better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. You think you've only got a little? Boo hoo! Too bad. It, the, the the Bible says here, and David says here, the Lord says through him, better is just a little bit, if you're righteous, than all of the wealth that the wicked may have. Stop comparing yourself. Stop comparing your possessions to somebody else. You know what the key is? It's your righteousness. It's not your riches. It's your righteousness. It's not your bank account. It's your righteousness. It's not your uh, size of your square footage of your house. It's your righteousness. It's not your job, how much you make. If you have just a little and you're righteous, that's extreme wealth in God's eyes. For you're honoring Him with the little that you have. Just like the woman gave an offering, and there's a parable that she only gave a little bit, but she had her gift was more was greater than the greatest gifts of of the wealthy that day, because this woman gave out of her poverty or gave out of her smallness. It's easy to give a gift when you're wealthy, you know. So. Don't compare yourself like that. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. He knows every single day you got. But you know what? You have a heritage. They will not be put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they will have abundance. The wicked's going to perish in verse 20. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. <laughs> the people who you think are doing so great, they're going to vanish like smoke. 21 through 31 kind of talks about um, committing yourself to doing good. And in the interest of time, we'll just hit some of the high points. Verse 23, the steps of man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. So that if you are... Committing yourself to the Lord when you're in delighting in the way or being in step with God. These are kind of references to walking in step with God, in step with the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. When you're walking in His way, when you're like, another uh, image would be like following the shepherd. When you're following the straight and narrow path, when you're establishing when you're delighting in His way, when you're delighting, again, when your joy comes from walking in His way, when your joy, that translates again into blessed blessing. You are blessed when you're delighting, when you're walking in His way. Your steps then are established by the Lord. That's so cool when you think about it. You got to stop and think about that. When you're fulfilling God's Word and when you're fulfilling His purpose and plan for you, He is ordaining every step you take. 28, again, 
for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous, this is 29, shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Again, talking about walking with God. The Lord's going to protect the righteous. It says in verse 34, Wait for the Lord and keep His way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. And down in uh, verse 39, The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. You have so much to count on. So much is there for you. So when godless people prosper, it's not about possessions. It's not about um, that. You need to commit yourself to doing good and walking in His way, in His righteousness, because that's how you get blessed. That's how He blesses you. And He will protect those who do so. So don't worry, be joyful, be blessed. It Commit yourself to God's timing. Rest, don't worry, don't get upset. It only leads to bad outcomes and be humble. It's not about your possessions. A lot of great um, advice right there when godless people prosper. Last Psalm, Psalm 38, we're going to call this... Um, Sin is like wounds. They cause great distress. Or in another title would be, Do not forsake me, O Lord, because sin separates. Let's dive in. Verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows has sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. David is in deep distress. He is worried. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities, my sin have gone over my head. I'm over my head, Father. I'm in more sin than I can bear. I cannot bear all this sin. David is crying out in times of deep distress. Verse 4 again, like a heavy burden, they're too heavy for me. And Jesus is saying, you know, let me bear your burdens, for my yoke is easy. Let me take this on me. You're overwhelmed. Are you overwhelmed? Maybe that's a better title for this psalm. Are you overwhelmed by it all? Too much for you? David now talks about there's so much sin, his body is just unhealthy. My wounds stink and fester, verse 5, because of my foolishness. And I want to make a point here. Um, David's talking about my wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. Is he talking about stinky wounds? Or is he talking about something more profound? You know? I mean, because of his foolishness, does he have stinky wounds? Um, or is he talking about the wounds to his body or his sin? 
you know. In 1 Peter chapter 2.24, Jesus talks about the same thing. Or, or in 1 Peter, they're, they're talking about Jesus. He bore, he being Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So, Jesus' wounds, um, Jesus' body was wounded and had wounds. Okay? And Jesus' body was wounded because of sin. Because of David's sin, Jesus' body was wounded. So, David had wounds. David's wounds were because to his body, sin wounded David's body, okay? But his wounds stunk. You know, his sin stinks. Your sin wounds your body. Your sin hurts your own body. It causes your body to die because our bodies are wounded by sin. Because of sin in the world, we are mortal it causes our body to eventually suffer the death penalty. We're going to die. Our body will decay. But those sins, in a very real way, in a tangible way, were marked on Jesus' body. Jesus' body, the sins of our sins, of David that he's talking about, were then afflicted onto Jesus' body. So Jesus' body. So it's not like Jesus on the cross was decaying because he he becomes diseased and he, you know, his body just turns to stinky wounds on the cross. No. But I, I think Dr. McGee's pointing out that the wounds Jesus had on the cross was because of sin. And this is what David's talking about here. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate all the day I go a, a, I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning. There is no soundness in my flesh. That was verse 7. Verse, uh, we'll skip around here um, just because of time. Verse 10, my heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, it is also, it also has gone from me. This is what sin does for you, does to you. It robs you of your strength, your strength being maybe from the Lord. The light of my eyes, the light being the Lord of light, the truth, it leaves you when you're in sin. My friends and companions stand aloof at, from my plague. My nearest kin stands far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. They who seek my hurt speak of ruin. So sinful nature um, causes all kind of uh, trouble causes you to be alone, causes you to be separated from God, separated from hope, okay? And you are very much by yourself, okay? And eventually, people are going to, sinful people will let you down in some way. They'll try to harm you and hurt you. And then you'll realize you're so far from God, you thought the people around you were helpful people, but they're not. You thought the people around you 
were good people, but they're not. Even David, the people, he's the king of Israel, and his own son is trying to slay him. King Saul, that he that, that was his king, is trying to hunt him down. It's like the police force is coming after you, trying to kill you and put you in jail. Sinful nature did that to David because he lost favor with his people temporarily when he fell into sin. You can lose favor with God when you fall into sin. Of course you can. But for you, O oh Lord, I do wait. Do I wait? It is you, O oh Lord, my God, who will answer. That's verse 15. Ain't nobody else going to answer. It's the Lord. Verse 17. For I am ready to fall and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity, my sin. I am sorry for my sin. Verse 21, do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Um, David is confessing his sins. He's ready to fall. He's ready to die. And my pain is ever before me. I confess. I am so sorry. You know, when you're in sin, when I'm in sin... We have to understand that sin um, is like a disease on your body in so many ways. It, it gets into your bones, the bone marrow. It gets into your brain, into your head. It gets into your heart, okay? And it pretty much destroys everything you can do, you think and say and do. But look in verse 21, do not forsake me, O Lord. Doesn't that, isn't that an interesting parallel? When Jesus cries out on the cross, my God, my God, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out the same thing, but David saying, do not forsake me. Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, when we are in sin, David is saying, first of all, don't forsake me, because if we're in sin, God's, you are going to be separate from God, okay? And you are, not, you are not covered by the Lord when you are in sin, okay? But remember, Jesus had to become sin for us on the cross by his wounds, Okay, Jesus now on the cross, when he bore the wounds, when he bore our sin, according to God's plan and purpose, at some point, Jesus becomes sin. And when Jesus becomes sin, Jesus is separated from the Father in heaven. Jesus had to separate himself from the Father in heaven. That's why the Father in heaven couldn't handle it, you know, because he, the Father in heaven, is so far from sin. He will punish sin, okay? So the only way to pay the price of sin, Jesus has to come to earth as the sacrifice to, you know, pay the price, to pay the penalty from sin. But at some point in doing that on the cross, he is dying 
for our sins, he becomes our sin. And at that point, that's why Jesus, he is calling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that is the completion of what David did not want to happen to himself. He did not want to be separate from God. Please do not forsake me, O Lord. Come to me. Help me, O Lord, my salvation. So Jesus now is having to do the the heavy work. Jesus is now, uh, this is a prophecy for what Jesus will have to do. He will have to take these wounds that David is talking about in this psalm. He's having to take these wounds, this sin, this sinful nature. He's having to bear it in his wounds. He's having to become sin. And he is having to be separate from God. And he will call out, just as he is doing, just as he is taking all these sins, he will call out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, I hope these psalms were helpful. That's what we're in here. Psalm 38. Um, yeah. Sin like wounds cause great distress and our prayer is not to be forsaken by the Lord. He will not forsake you. Um, now is the point in the podcast where I'll turn things over to my uh, partner and co-host, Matali, who's podcasting from Zambia. Um, from me to you, uh, from all of us, from me to you, um, God bless you, and I'll see you next time. And uh, take it away, Matali. Hi. So today's teaching is coming from Psalms 36 through to 38. My main take from today's teaching um, is God gives spiritual blessings to us as his children if we give God time. So, um, you know, the things that uh, we do, we have to give God to deal with. Um and um and give God time to deal with um you know all our, our our troubles and we have to take all our troubles and problems to God and He will deal with us and give us spiritual blessings. So um in the Old Testament God gave um personal and earthly prosperity and blessings to um to his children when they asked. But um um God sent Christ to stand in our gap and um and um he died for us he's our resurrected savior and now we go through Christ um and God gives spiritual blessings now um because we have a personal savior who died for us on the cross <clears throat> who bore our sins on the cross so um yeah so as Christians today, um, verse 3 to 8 of Psalms 37, it gives us a guide of um, how, how exactly um, we are to, to, to live. Um, and it actually it, it reads, um, that's from verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness so um 
we're supposed to trust in the Lord always and um, always believe in Him. And it goes on to read, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you um, the desires of your heart. So if we always delight in the Lord and trust in Him and have faith in Him, um, He will give us our heart's desires. He will give us peace. He will give us grace. Um, he will overflow our cup with joy. Um, God has a lot of mercy to go around, and um, He will grant us all our heart's desires we shall not want, we shall not lack. So um, verse 5 reads, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So God will bring um, everything that we go through to pass, um, all our troubles and um, all our, our problems and tri tribulations and trials. Verse 6 reads, He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Um, verse 7 reads, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So, um, you know, do not, do not worry. You know, if, if we look at uh, a lot of times as Christians, we tend to look at, um, you know, if we look at the wicked today, you know, they are prospering and um, they're doing great. And you find, um, you know, children of God, us as children of God, um, you know, um, there's so much in, in, in equity and, um, you know, his, his, his children are suffering. But guess what? Um, guess who has more inner peace and all? You find the happiest saints today um, are the poor ones. Um, and, um, the, the people with the money, you know, I, I will, I will coin, um, you know, street slang and the more money you have, the more problems you have. So, um, verse eight reads, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. So, um, you know, we should be slow to anger and, you know, we should not be vengeful people. Um, we should forsake wrath. Um, you know, don't wish ill on other people as, as a child of God. I mean, let God be the judge because God is our creator and um, let him be the judge. So um, Psalms 36, um, David was uh, gave us a picture. It's, it's a Psalm of David and David gave us, gave us a picture of the wicked, you know, the transgression of the wicked, um, you know, the old nature of man. You know, the wicked nature of man. Man put Christ on the cross. Christ was a perfect man. Um, he, we put Christ on the cross and he died for our sins. And, you know, the old nature of man um, that we have um, today is described in um, Matthew um, chapter 15, verses 19, and it reads, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornicators, thieves, thefts, false witness, blasphemers. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So um, all these are the transgressions of the wicked. Um, and, you know, if we go to Psalms 37, it shows us a guide of, you know, as a child of God, how, you know, what path, how we're actually supposed to live. And... Um, If, um, you know, the old nature of man, um, 
um, that's in Psalms 36 verse 1. It reads, an oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. So uh, this is also quoted from in Romans 3 verse 18. There is no fear of the of God before his eyes. So it looks at um, the wicked. You know, verse 2 goes on to say, for he flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his own iniquity and when he hates the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. So, um, you know, the transgressions of the wicked, they have no fear whatsoever for the Lord. Um, they are not meek, they are scornful, and, um, you know, they are hateful, they are deceitful. And, um, you know, um, and these people, you know, the, the wicked, the time of tribulation is coming and, 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 and God is coming to judge and to save. And as a Christian, um, I choose to to to, to live um, in the path of righteousness and to be saved. So, um, verse 5 to 7 of Psalms 36 gives us a picture of what God is exactly. So, um, I'll read through this and it says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Uh, your righteousness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. So this just shows the grandness of God, how great God is. And, um, you know, we should trust in him and he will protect us under the shadows of his wing because God is our creator and um, God is our redeemer. Um, and let us put um, our trust in, in, in the Lord always. Psalms 38 is a penitentiary psalm and um, it, it looks at, um, you know, us being able to take all our burdens to, to, to the Lord. We can't carry all our burdens. And God um, carries all our burdens for us. He did send his, his, his only son to die for us on the cross. And um, Psalms 38 verse 4 reads, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. So if we cast all our burdens onto the Lord... Um, he will carry them for us and um, he will bear them for us. So as Christians, let's cast our, our, our burdens onto the Lord and um, yeah, and God will will give us rest and he will give us peace. Um, we will have inner peace. And I'll just read through um, a few verses here. I am troubled. I am bowed. Um, down greatly I go mourning all day long for my loins are full of inflammation and there is no soundness in my flesh I am feeble and severely broken I groan because of the turmoil of my heart Lord all my desire is before you and my singing is not hidden from you my heart pants uh, my strength fails me as for the light of my eyes it also it has also gone from from me so um this is a psalm uh, to bring remembrance um, of what the lord has done for david uh, what the lord did for david 
and yeah um David is casting all his burdens onto the Lord. This is what we're supposed to do today as Christians, uh, to cast our burdens onto the Lord. Um, the disease that uh, David talks about is um, the disease of sin. You know, um, all the sins that Christ bore for us on the cross. And um, these are the sins he talks about. This is uh, what he talks about um, when he talks when he talks of um, the disease of, of um, the the loins are full of inflammation. Um, this is um, can be seen, can be looked at if we look at First um, Peter, um, which talks of you know Christ burdening or carrying all the burdens of our sins. Um, and dying for us on the cross. So if I just look for First Peter, um, chapter 2, verses 22, it reads, um, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Um, who, when he was revealed, did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but um, committed himself to him who judges righteously so this is talking about christ um when christ was um when christ was 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 being crucified um he suffered um he suffered death under Pontius Pilate, and um, he was crucified. Um, for for he he bore all our sins on that um, cross when he was um, nailed to the cross, and you know evidence is seen through um, through the you know the 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 holes through his hands. Um, he bore all our burdens, and this is. Um, what David is, is, is putting out there, um, the remembrance of, um, you know, the, um, the son of the, the king, he died for us to just save us and let us take all our, let us take all our burdens to him and, um, let us, um, put our trust in him. So yeah, um, so for me, those were my highlights for today's teaching, and um, thank you for listening, and God bless you all, and bye-bye.